You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Before we begin, let's pray. It's always a tremendous privilege to come together and to be with God. It's a tremendous privilege to bring forth the Word of God, and it is a sacred responsibility. And it's not only just for me to speak it, it's for you to hear it and to understand it. And only God, by His Holy Spirit, can help us do that. So let's pray for understanding today. So, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of worship we've already had. I thank you for the people that have come here on this weekend to just uh, not only to worship, but to be ministered unto as well. I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you make things clear to us and help me to speak it clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in trying times. People are worried. People are worried about the future. They're worried about making ends meet. They're worried about their health. They're worried about the future of this country. Conversely, in the last three years, the United States has seen a rise in the number of mental health issues and disorders. Uh, Recent CDC numbers say that 52 million Americans have dealt with some kind of mental illness. That is one in every five Of those mental illnesses, the top three affecting people are, number one, anxiety disorders, which has to do with worry and fear, depression, and PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder. So what we're seeing in the world we live in today in our country is that people are worried, they're anxious, they're stressed, and they're fearful. Sometimes they're paired up with depression as well. They feel like they're so overwhelmed that they can't go on. And then we have folks that have been through incredible trauma and find it difficult to go forward. The astonishing thing about that is the the number of males and females in the age group of 18 to 25 accounting for approximately 30% of all mental health cases in our country. I want you to know that worry can be a crippling force. It can be something that can really uh, handicap you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, if you let it. And what we worry about is different depending on what age group you're in. Like when you're younger, you might worry about, will people like me? And as you get older, you don't care what people think about you, (laughs) right? When you're younger, you're like, will people like me? Will they like my outfit? Will they like my hair? Will they like my shoes? Will they like me when they see me? Will they like me? We sometimes worry about what people think about. If you're younger, you think, worry about, well, who am I going to marry someday? Will I marry somebody? Will I find someone? And will I finally truly be happy? Can I just tell you, the journey begins at marriage. It's not the end of the journey, okay? That's a journey all its own that you're going to have to learn yourself someday as you get married. It's not like, yay, I've arrived, and now happiness begins. It's happiness, it's struggle, it's joy, it's pain, it's all sorts of wonderful things, but it's a journey. Young people worry about, what will my career be? What will I be doing with the rest of my life? What will my future look like? It's looking forward to the future. Older people, however, worry about other things. Sometimes they worry about getting older. Surveys showed a surprising number of older people concerned with wrinkles and gray hair. Like it was on the list. They asked the survey and just like, I'm really concerned about my wrinkles, really concerned about my gray hair. 
Uh, older people worry about when they'll retire or even if they can retire someday. Sometimes it keeps getting pushed further and further down the line. We worry about how our kids will turn out. Will our kids be successful? Will our kids turn out okay? Will they have a, a good job? Will they have a good home life? Will they have a good family? We worry about our health, especially as we get older. We're concerned about, will, you know, will my health fail me? Will I still be strong? We sometimes worry about, as we're older, what will our legacy be? How will people remember us? Will people even remember us? But worry is something we've all done at different times and points in our life. The fact that we worry shows that we care about the things that we worry about. You know, sometimes we see people that don't worry, and we're like, well, they have no cares in the world. They, they don't care about anything. But worry shows that we care about something, and we're concerned about something. But there's a difference with, between being concerned about things and being crippled by things, okay? You can be concerned about things but not be crippled by or inhibited by or hindered by worry. I'll give you an example, okay? If you've had children, you've brought them to the playground, you go and let them play, and of course there's concern. You know, they go up on the monkey bars, they go up on the swings, they could hurt themselves, Concern says, be careful, Johnny. Be careful, little Susie. Don't get hurt on the playground. So a concerned parent sits on the sides and just kind of watches a little bit and kind of like, oh, my goodness. But a, a person that is worried won't even take their kid to the playground. Do you understand the difference? There's a difference between being concerned about life and not even engaging life because you're so frightened about what the prospects are and usually they are bad, that you don't even participate in them. One can hinder your life entirely and completely. You can be concerned about life without allowing worry to paralyze your progress. Worry always looks to the future. But isn't it interesting that the future is always bad, isn't it? We worry about things that are sometimes not even in the realm of reality. It's like if I wear this outfit to the party... Everyone's going to laugh at me, and nobody's going to like me. If I don't get this project done, I'm probably going to be fired, and then I'll never hold down another job again. We over-dramatize things. Uh, we, our vision for the future is sometimes bleak and dark, and we need to change the way that we look at things, especially as children of God and people of God. Because our destiny and our future is assured in Him. It's not in us. If it was up to us and everything that we're doing, we are in a bad way, and we should be concerned. But our future is in the hands of God because we're walking with Him. And as we walk with Him, we will see Him lead and guide us in the way that we should go. We worry about worst-case scenarios. It's always the worst. Worry is the worst and always believes the worst. Sometimes you might get a diagnosis and an initial diagnosis from a doctor is not the final diagnosis. You know that if there's a concern over something, so say someone says, well, you have cancer or you may have diabetes. It isn't just, bang, you have that. You may have it. So there's a subsequent visit. There's tests that are run. There are specialists that are talked to. There are people that you meet long before this is your full-time thing. 
So we're sometimes quick to go, well, I'm going to die from this. This is going to be horrible. Don't go there first. Worry always believes the worst. Our mindset, too, when we think about things, is things are always going to be the worst. And then when we go through it, we're actually surprised to realize that it wasn't like anything that we thought or envisioned or imagined. Very seldom is it as bad as we think. Very seldom is it worse than what we think. Usually, more often than not, it's not as bad as we think. And we sometimes feel silly about it, don't we? Why did I get so worked up over that? You, you lost sleep over it. Your hair's turned gray because of it. And all because the simple fact was that you thought it was going to be worse than it actually was. The future that we have is bright with the Lord. It doesn't have to be dark. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about worry. Because even in his day, guess what? People worried, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Let's look at it together. Jesus' teaching, we're continuing in his Sermon on the Mount, and so he tells the people this uh, teaching, and he says to them in verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither snow, sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You could probably underline that. That'd be a good thing to underline right there. Aren't you more valuable than birds? Yes. Which of you can, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, cubit's 18 inches. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That'd be a good place to underline, too. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, Jesus tells the crowd, do not worry. In fact, one of the things you shouldn't tell people who are worried is don't worry about it because they don't know how to not worry about it because all they are thinking about is uh, how concerned they are, how fearful they are, how worried they are about the circumstances. So sometimes we may find that that response is not always welcome. But Jesus focuses on three things here, and you can write these down. Number one, our problems. Number two, our provision. And number three, our priorities. Number one, our problems. Number two, our provision. And number three, our priorities. So I want to take a look at each of these first. So first, let's look at our problems. Verse 25 talks about don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear or about your body or your health or who will take care of you. Don't worry about these things. Now, that's often easier said than done. 
Sometimes when we look at Jesus' statements on worry here, we might say like, okay, well, he's saying that I shouldn't work because, you know, God's just going to provide. No. Jesus is talking about worry and responsibility. Jesus is not saying don't be responsible. We need to be responsible. But we can choose not to worry. In fact, worry will often cause you to avoid responsibility. Worry will cause you to shirk your duties and your responsibilities. Worry works to undermine your faith. I heard one preacher say that the devil uses worry to work you over. The devil uses worry to work you over. In the absence of prayer and trust, the enemy sees an opportunity and an open door to get to you. Worry drags up your worst fears and puts them in the forefront of your mind. Part of the reason why we worry is because we see ourselves as having to solve all the problems. I'll say it again. One of the reasons why we worry so much is because we see ourselves as the one that has to solve all our problems. Thinking that we have to do it all ourselves and no one else is going to help us. We do it as though everything depends solely upon us. But we must remember that we're not going through things alone. Your storm, your journey, your trial, your tribulation is not something you go through by yourself. It's not even something that your family goes through by themselves. If you are walking with the Lord, you should know today that the Lord is aware of your struggle. The Lord is aware of what you're going through. And he's not sitting back saying, well, I wonder how this is going to turn out. He's not waiting for you to figure it out and solve it and fix it. In fact, God's allowed that into your life for the simple realization for you to know that you do not have all the answers. You don't have all the resources that you thought you had. You don't have all the intellect and the smarts and the intelligence that you thought you had to solve it. There's no more humbling thing in the world than to go through difficulty when you thought you had it all figured out. But to be humbled in that way, although that can be very difficult for our pride, is the perfect place for you to be. Because when you're in that place of humility, that's where God moves. When you're in the place of vulnerability, that's where God is. When we put ourselves in a spot where we say, you know what, God, I don't know what to do. Let me ask someone who knows everything about me and about the situation and about how the future is going to turn out. Let me ask God. And when we do that, God is well pleased. When we do that, God intervenes. When we do that, God responds. We must remember God's there to help us. Worrying doesn't add to your life. It, in fact, subtracts from it. Worry shortens your lifespan. There are illnesses connected to stress and worry. High blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, ulcers, kidney stones, etc. The list goes on and on. So when you decide to, to give in to stress and worry, you are actually doing physical harm to yourself. Worry diminishes your stature. It says, who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? One cubit's 18 inches. It's a measurement of height. You know what worry does? Worry makes you do this. You're looking down all the time when you're worried. Instead of looking up. When we're worried, we're like, it's never going to turn out right. I'm never going to find someone to marry. 
I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to have a good job. I'm never going to, people aren't going to like me. I'm never going to hold a place of importance, influence in this life. Stop looking down. Start looking up. Look to the one who is the lifter of your head. Worry, you don't gain anything by worrying. You lose time when you worry. So the time that you spent worrying about the things that you need to do, guess what? You have one less hour, two less hours, one less night of sleep to do the things that you were worrying about in the first place. So now, not only do you have to still do those things, but you just lost a, a night's worth of sleep, which means you're not thinking clearly, which means that you can't go into that situation with a clear head and a fresh mind. We're more emotional when we lose sleep. We're not thinking with all of our faculties about us. We sometimes find ourselves getting a little weepy or maybe a little angry because we don't have the patience anymore. God is telling us today that we're not adding anything to our life by worrying about it. When you worry, you just lose time and the problem is still there. Worry can lead to procrastination. We put off the things we don't like and things only get worse. Just an example, if you decide, like, I can't pay this bill, the worst thing that you can do is to just pretend it's not there. It doesn't matter if you can't pay the bill. Pretending it's not there is probably the worst thing that you can do because you know what? Then there's collection calls, and then your house is repossessed or your car is repossessed. That's not the direction you want to go in. As much as you may fear things and dislike things, you've got to face them head on. Worry says, you know what? I don't want to deal with that, so tomorrow. I don't want to deal with that, so I'll just go over here, and I'll just go hide, and my problems will go away. No, your problems will magnify. Your problems will grow when you don't confront them. When you worry, you can't enjoy today when you're worried about tomorrow. Worry will rob you of your todays. Choose to live in your today. There will be, always be new things to worry about. <laughs> That's funny about it. So like, okay, if you're like, okay, uh, you know, when it comes to worry, I got news for you. Throughout your life, there will always be a new thing to worry about. Just when you think you've gotten over the hump, there will be something else that will come down the road that you can't handle and you get worried about. This will be a normal and common part of your life. So we can either just keep hiding and keep dodging worry, or we can just face it with faith and face it with understanding and face it with assurance. It doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you have the answer. It just means that you are facing it courageously instead of running away from it. Jesus talks about our problems, but he also talks about our provision, verses 26 through 30. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today is and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Um, we got a bird feeder at our house. We were visiting some friends of ours, Dick and Sherry Benoit, and they have a beautiful, beautiful backyard, gorgeous, like hanging gardens of Babylon, beautiful type stuff. And they have a bird feeder, and we were sitting out there, and we're just looking at the bird feeder, and we're just amazed at all the birds that are coming through, and some of the chipmunks and squirrels, too. And we said, we said to ourselves, you know what? 
this is kind of relaxing to watch birds come. And so we did. We set one up, and we have sparrows coming to the, to the bird feeder, and they're eating, and they're feeding, and different birds come, and we have this little app that lets us listen to the different kinds of bird calls and find out what birds are visiting our uh, bird feeder, and it's just neat to watch. But you know what I've noticed? I've never seen a worried sparrow. Never seen a bird be like, I wonder when the food's going to come. We had food yesterday, but I don't think there's going to be food there today. When's the, I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. There's no food. I've never seen a worried bird or a worried sparrow. And this is the example that Jesus gives to us, is that he's like, they don't fret or worry about when the next meal, where it's going to come from. You know why? Because God naturally takes care of them. It's part of the way God designed it. The creator takes care of his creation. And if this is how he takes care of things that are small and temporary, how much more will he take care of you who's created in the image of God. You know, he just spoken, okay, birds, fish, animals, livestock, just spoken it was. He had in mind what he wanted to do, said, let that be, and it was. But with man, he formed man out of the dust of the ground, got down in the dirt, got on his hands and knees, and formed man out of the dust of the ground in his own image and breathed his pneuma breath into him. How much more so Will God take care of the more in-depth work that he did? How much more will he take care of you who's created in the image of God? Nothing else in this world can lay claim to that. I want to tell you that again. Nothing else in this world can lay claim to the, the, the title that I was created in the image of God. Maybe these things were in the mind of God and the creativity of God, but only you can say I'm created in the image of God. Whether I look good or I don't look good, this is what God looks like, like it or not, okay? This is what God looks like right here, okay? So look at your neighbor and say, this is what God looks like. I'm not saying that you are a God, but you are created in the image of God. And in God's eyes, you're beautiful and wonderful and fearfully and wonderfully made. And if he takes care of these little tiny sparrows that like to fight over the seeds at the bird feeder, how much more will he take care of you? Jesus uses this illustration about temporary things to show God's providential hand to the even smallest of his creation. He even speaks of the beauty of the lilies. And we know about lilies, and lilies, are we have them every Easter, and we love them, we take them home, and they usually smell the house up really bad. And if you have allergies, you're like, why did I bring this home? And you like it, and then like a few days later, it turns brown, and like the leaves fall off, and you're like, I guess I'll plant it in the garden, maybe. But you know that a lily only lasts 10 to 14 days. Its beauty is there, and then it's completely gone. You know how long a sparrow's lifespan is? Three years at the most. But you don't see a sparrow going around, I've only got two years left. I've only got a year left. Do I look old or do my feathers look gray to you? Am I putting on weight? None of those concerns are on the sparrow's mind because the sparrow just knows I'm here for a season that I'm in in this world and God's going to take care of me. If a sparrow who only has three years on this earth and you have 80, if he's not worried about his life, let me tell you something today. Why are we so worried about ours? 
If God will take care of the smallest things among us, will he not take care of you too with your bad back and your kidney stones and your migraine headaches or your, your, you know, your diabetes or whatever? Will not God take care of you? And the answer is yes and amen. So be it. Part of our worry has to do with the source of our provision. What am I going to do? How are we going to pay for this? Who is going to take care of us? When you have placed all this squarely on your shoulders, that's when the worry comes in. But worry causes us to lose sight of and forget what Jesus said about God being our provider. When Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew 6, verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Asking God to provide for the food of that day. When Jesus taught on prayer in Matthew 6, 7, and 8, he says, don't keep on babbling on like the pagans do because your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So God already knows your needs. He may not always give you what you want, but he will always provide your needs. He knows you need it. The question is, are you asking him for what you need? Are you talking to him about what you need? Listen, if you have children at home and you've got a little kid that's crying and they're crying and they're crying and they're crying and you don't know what they want and they don't tell you what they want, it's really difficult to meet the need. As a parent, when you had children that were nonverbal, when they were crying and they couldn't communicate and speak to you, you just start bringing things out. Do you want your bottle? Do you want some food? Do you want a toy? Do you want to go take a nap? And we just start shooting for things that we hope somewhere down the road will, will fit the need that they have. But when they get talk and they go, I want juice. I want a snack. I need a nap. I want to go play, whatever the case might be. Now there's a connection of the communication with the need, and the need can be met. So we need to understand with our prayer, too, God is our Father. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says, I want you to call God something different. Not Yahweh, not Jehovah, even those, those are his, his proper title and names. I want to give you a new name to say. And the new name I want you to say is call him your Father. Change your perspective about who it's supposed to be. View God as your Father. A good Father protects. A good Father provides. A good father provides guidance to his children. That's what a good father does. And if we can just get a hold of that mentality when it comes to God, it'll change our perspective. Now, one might look at Jesus' word and say, okay, well, if my father's going to provide everything, if he's going to you know, provide my food every day, and if he's going to you know, provide the clothes on my back, then I shouldn't have to work, right? I shouldn't have to do anything. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying lay about and do nothing. In fact, the scriptures tell us that the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So there is a priority on work. There's a priority on taking care of your family. First Timothy 3, one of the qualifications for a deacon is if he can't manage his own family, he can't manage the church. So there is a, a, an air of responsibility to this that we have to take care of. What he's saying is stop being concerned and anxious and fearful and worried that everything's just going to fall apart and nothing good is going to happen. You don't want that mentality. What it does is it lacks faith that God is good. It lacks trust in his goodness. And there are times where things are very scary in life. 
There are things that you'll face that you're like, I don't know how this gonna, is going to work out. You might get a diagnosis that frightens you, and you might have to walk through that as a family. You might experience a time where you lose your job, and all of a sudden you're becoming dependent upon things that you didn't know how to be dependent on before, and those are frightening things. But it doesn't change who God is. Our circumstances don't change the nature of God or the promises of God or who he is. We must remember who he is. If God could take care of the little things, he can take care of you. Do what you need to do. Be responsible. Show concern and care for things. But don't let worry, fear, and anxiety keep you from doing the things that need to be done. Talked about our problems. We talked about our provider. But lastly, Jesus talks about our, our priorities. Verses 31 through 34. He says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the, all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is it in its, its own trouble. What it's saying is that each day has enough trouble of its own. And some of you who work know that. I can only focus on today. Some of us are worrying about tomorrow, and today gets neglected because of tomorrow. Each day has its own set of cares, concerns, and worries. Don't get ahead of yourself. You should know that God's already there in your tomorrow regardless of how things turn out. Don't chase after the things that the world chases after. They chase after wealth, fame, appearance, and security. They stress themselves out of different thing, over different things. But as a follower of Jesus, be different. Put your priorities in check. Priorities are the things that we put first in our lives. In the course of your day-to-day -day life, there will always be things that try to push to the front of your mind and your concerns. So you might be going along with your life, and you're doing fine. It's a good day. You're not stressed about anything. And then you turn the news on. Why did you do that? Or you logged into social media, and someone said something that triggered you. Why did you do that? And you're bringing on cares and anxieties and fears and worries that have nothing to do with the lane that you're in. And what you've done is you've allowed, instead of God being at the forefront of your mind and your task at the forefront of your mind, what the enemy has done and what the world's done is it's taken all this garbage and stuff and put it at the forefront of your mind. So whatever becomes in front of you becomes what you become fixated and focused on. But if you can just move those out of the way, then you'll be in a better place. In fact, one of the things that are recommended for people who deal with uh, worry and anxiety when it talks about uh, steps that you can do to kind of lessen and minimize it, one of the things it says is get off social media and stop watching the news because ultimately those things will trigger frustration. It's designed to create a response. It's designed to create viewership. It's meant to get you riveted in and to be fearful. But what if you started your day with the right things? What if you put God first in all things? You must take steps to choose what to focus on. There's a temptation to focus on the negative, but choose to focus on the good. 
not just with yourself, but with God. So Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, amen, whatever things are accurate and true, not what was said, not what was reported first, not what someone told you is true, whatever is actually true, whatever things are noble, in other words, whatever things are, are, are good, upright, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. And just earlier in verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. How do you not be anxious about anything? It's by reminding yourself about what is good, what is true, what is right, and what is noble. There will always be things that kind of come, try to come back into your mind, especially if you're worried about the future, especially if there's people depending on you. They will always come back to the forefront, but you choose where to put them. Kind of look at them as though you're arranging things on a board. And this thing says, well, I want to be on the top. But no, no, no. God first. And you're second. Or third. Or wherever you fall on the list. You choose what's first. You choose what goes first. What should we dwell on? What is good, lovely, and of good report. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on your problem solver, which is what do people worry about? They worry about what will happen in the future. They worry about what will happen to them. They worry about what people will think of them. They worry about what people might do. Can I share something incredibly important and a massive spiritual principle for you? You can't control any of it. Yeah, but what will my boss do? What will my neighbor do? What will my family do? What will people think of me? What will they say? You know, will I have this? Guess what? You can't control any of that. As much as you think about it, as much as you fret about it, as much as you worry about it, you can't change anything about it. You can't control what they'll do. They're going to do what they're going to do, much to your chagrin, especially if they're your grown children. Like, they're going to do what they're going to do, and instead of going worrying about it and fretting about it, just like, God, I just need to pray more for my children, because sometimes they do things that ain't right. You know? So you pray, and you give it to God's hands and trust Him to take care of it. You can't control those things. But one thing you can control is your feelings, your emotions, and your thought life. You can control what you choose to do to take care of your family and your situation. Do the things that you can control, and for the things that are out of your control, pray and trust God. Sounds easy, right? Hard to do. Because you're invested in it. But Lord, that's my husband, that's my wife, those are my kids, that's my job. Like, okay, but do you trust me to take care of you? Do you have that faith like a sparrow does? The dumb sparrow is just like, I just want the seeds, man. <laughs> and they don't think about, like, who gave this to me, where it came from. They just, like, they just there, and they just are thankful that it's there and it's provided for us. Sometimes we just have to push some things out of our heads and focus on what the Lord wants us to do. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but to you I say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What does putting God first mean? Well, Warren and Wearsby says this. It means that the Father knows our needs, and if we put him first, he will meet every need. So how do believers put this into practice today? He says, quote, 
We start with our time. Put God first every day. Instead of checking your fantasy sports league, glory to God. Or your news, your, your app, your Apple News or whatever Twitter has to say or whatever the most latest, you know, reel is that you're watching. And instead of watching that for like, and believe me, that time goes by quick as you just scroll through video after stupid video. You're just half hour, hour gone, completely gone. Like, what did I just do? You just wasted time, and you didn't even know it. Instead of doing that first, what if you said, God, it's another day. I'm here. I'm going to take some time with you. And it may not, you may not have to be an hour, two hours, like some of the people that you respect and are truly spiritual. You might be intimidated by that. You say, well, I can't do that. We're not asking you to do that. God's, you know, a friend doesn't go, hey, you talked to me short today. You only said hello and you only asked me how my day was doing, and then you were off on your way. Like, I wanted you to talk to me three hours today. No, we, we're grateful for every interaction with friends that we have. We recognize there's some that we have longer with and some we have shorter with. Why don't we look at our interaction with God as the most important friend that we have in this life, most important advocate that we have for the tr- struggles that we're going through, and we spend time with him first, and we say, God, I, I got a rough day today but Lord, I'm going to read the word, read a promise out of your word, the scripture of the day, and I'm just going to pray and say, God, would you help me through today? Instead of focusing on all the negative, focus on the things that you need to do, what's a priority, do those first, but put God first in all things. He goes on to say, this means time for prayer and reading the word. We will put God first every week, attending the house of the Lord faithfully. When we put God first, it means we're coming on the first day of the week, to honor him corporately. Yes, you can honor him at home, but what if you honor him corporately, whether you're here in church or you're tuning in online, I need to go to church the first day of the week to honor him. That's putting God first. He goes on to say, we put God first in every payday, paying the tithe to the Lord. We put God first in our choices, making no decision that would leave God out and To seek first the kingdom means you put kingdom principles and priorities ahead of everything you do. It's about having God first in your daily lives and decision-making. Consider God first instead of him being last. Let him be your first priority instead of your last resort. Let prayers and God's principles be the first response of your day instead of your emergency backup plan. Instead of prayers being like, God, I need help. Get me out of this one. Instead, go into the day, God, I'm going into a dumpster fire of a workplace where people don't like me and people don't do their jobs. So, Lord, I need your patience. I need your Holy Spirit, and I need your wisdom. What's different? You're walking in differently. Your approach is different. Your mindset is different. You are no longer an accident of the situation, but you are on assignment by God. You recognize that what you're walking into is exactly where you need to be at the time that you're in. And if you're worried about the future and you worry about what your job's going to be three to five years from now, I got news for you. God's got a plan for that too. Okay, none of you believe that. I'll say it again. If you're worried about where you're going to be in three to five years, guess what? God's already there. And God's got a plan for that. And you think, well, how am I going to retire? The Lord is your portion. The Levites didn't have any land. 
They didn't have any possessions. They didn't have anything to show for it. You mean I just get to work in the temple? That's all I get to do? It's like the Lord is your portion. The Lord is your inheritance. That doesn't mean you don't plan or you don't prepare. It doesn't mean you don't save things. It doesn't mean you don't plan for your future. But I want you to understand if you're fretting about it, if you're worrying about it, that's not of God. That's not where you should be. Instead, you say, God, I don't know how it's all going to work out. God, I don't know what the future is going to look like, but you do, and I know that your plans and your intentions for me are always good. I can tell you throughout my life here, I have no business owning a home. I have no business owning a better car than I have right now. I have no business having nice things in my possession. Why? Because I came from nothing. I came from poverty. You talk about climbing the corporate ladder. There was a hole that I had to climb out of before I climb the corporate ladder. So everything that I have is a gift from God. Everything that's given to me by God, I treat it as, as a marvelous expression of his grace, and I'm continually amazed every single day. And if somebody can tell, tells me, like, God's not real, I can give to you situation after situation where God sent people to bless me and to help me and to walk alongside of me. When I had no title, when I had no position, when I had no church, God was faithful to me in the wilderness. That's a lesson we need to learn and get a hold of today, that God's still with us, walking us through the wilderness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We sometimes leave that part out. Well, I'm putting God first. I'm an awful human being and I treat people terribly. But I'm putting God first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right living. Doing what's right in God's sight every day. So whatever the situation requires. So if someone says, you know, I'm, you know they're uh, coming after you and they're doing, saying terrible things to you, let God be your defense. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, you turn the other cheek. When God says, trust me with the future. When God says, be patient, be kind, be gracious. Or as we talked about in the previous messages, don't call your, don't call your neighbor empty-headed or fool. God, God, yeah, even when I'm in line and someone doesn't like their job, even if, even if like I'm driving in traffic and people are being awful, even if I'm dealing with people like sometimes friends and family that they don't do the right things and you're like, I have to like restrain that thought and that speech. Yes, that's difficult. But we do it because those are the priorities. Those are the kingdom and the righteousness that we need to walk in. Righteousness is right living. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in the absence of a clear word from God, follow what the word says. In the absence of what you should do in this situation, it's like, God, this person at work is really being difficult towards me, and they're saying terrible things about me. What should I do? Should I, should I get them fired? And then you look in the Word and then see what the Word says and say, I'm going to do that. In the absence of prophetic Word, in the absence from a, a Word from the Lord, always, always, always do what the Word says. Amen. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. What things? The very things that we worry about. What you will need, what you will eat, what you will wear, what the future holds. If you honor God with your thoughts, decisions, and prayers and choices, you will see God provide. Let me give you an example. 
Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are both owned by Christians. Both are closed on Sunday, the Lord's Day. They are open one day less a week than their competitors. What are the results? 2021 profits, Hobby Lobby made $5 billion in 2021. Open one day less a week than their competitors. Chick-fil-A last year made $1.2 billion off of chicken and chicken nuggets. Just by having one day that they're not open. By the way, if you see the advertisements for a coupon for Chick-fil-A on Sunday, it's evil. Don't pay attention to it because Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays. They're just trying to get the better of you and pull a joke over on you. When we put God first and let him lead, we'll see the blessings greater than we could ever come up with on our own. We have to give things over to God. Do what is right in his sight. Trust God to take care of you. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on the problem solver. Focus on the grace and the goodness of God. And if he can take care of the lilies of the field and the sparrows of the air, how much more will he take care of you? You are worth more to him than birds. Put God in front of your problem. So uh, seeking first the kingdom is about putting God in front of the problems. Instead of we're going through the problems and we're dealing with it, and God's way back here, put him in front of it. Put him at the forefront of your thoughts, of your ideas, of your concepts, of what you're thinking of and going through. Put God in front of your problem. Putting him in first means putting him in front, the front of the line, the front of the list, the front of your thoughts, the front of your emotions, and the front of your cares. I'll say it one more time. When you put God in front, you put him at the front of the line, the front of the list, the front of your thoughts, the front of your emotions, and your cares. Put him in front of your worries. Put him in front of your fears. Guess what? He's bigger than your problems. And he's better to you than you could be to yourself. So pursue him, lean into him, and trust him to take care of you. Sometimes we get concerned. Sometimes we're afraid. We think that God's not in there in the midst of all that. But he is just standing by the side, just waiting for you to call on him. We're afraid because we don't know where it's going to turn out. We don't know what the end's going to be, but God does. And it may not always be what we want, but he does promise that he'll be there. It may not be what we expect, but God will always be there. Sometimes he, ex- he uh, exceeds our expectations. And sometimes things don't work out the way that we want them because he's got something else in mind. But what are you worried about today? What are you concerned about? Is there something at the forefront of your mind? Are you worried about someone? Is there a person that is sick that you care about or care for? Is there a situation that seems too big and overwhelming? Is there a decision that you need to make that's intimidating? People are looking to you. Is there a financial need that seems too great in your life, a bill that has to be paid, a job that is needed, a provision that has to be made? Is there something that is at the forefront of your mind right now that you can't seem to get away from? And it's holding you back. It's slowing you down. You're losing sleep. Your health isn't great. You're frustrated. You're you're on edge a lot. You just feel like, 
everything's just falling apart around you. Can I encourage you today? There is prayer available. I would love to, would love to pray with you about these things because God already knows that you need them and he already wants to help. Let him help. Yeah, but I, pastor, I got to figure this out myself. I got to carry this myself. No one said you had to do that. The world says you have to do that. You might even told yourself that you have to do that. But one of the things that Jesus said is that he says, those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burdens that you carry might be heavy right now, but the Lord is able to help you carry them and lighten the load. Maybe today you just need your load lightened. Maybe you need someone to come alongside you, whether it's a brother or sister in Christ, and just believe God for things that God will do. I wonder if we could just take a moment and pray, and if you would just bow your head and close your eyes with me, without anyone looking around. Are you worried about something today, and it's on your mind and heart, and you just need to bring it before the Lord, and you need to lay it at His feet? They said, Pastor, I just, I can't, I've tried my best to not be concerned about these things or to be worried about these things, but it just keeps coming back, and it keeps coming back. I don't know how it's going to turn out, and frankly, I'm scared, and I just need God's peace. I need his help. If that's where you're at today, we just raise a hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I need that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hands are going up all over the place. Keep that hand up as we pray. Let's pray together. Will you just believe with God for, with me today? If it's, there's something that you are in need of prayer for, just bring it before the Lord. If you have nothing to worry about this morning, will you pray for those whose hands have gone up? Let's pray. God, we thank you that, Lord, you haven't left us to our own devices. You haven't stood by the sidelines and watched us struggle and watched us strain. But, Lord God, every trial, every difficulty, every test that we go through, Lord, it's just another opportunity for us to look to you, another opportunity for us to bring it before you and to have you lay these, uh, lay these things at your feet. And, Lord, we know that you are our provider. You will provide provision. You will provide, uh, Lord, food for us to eat, clothes on our backs. Lord, I pray for those that are in a financial bind right now. Will you meet the need supernaturally and miraculously? Lord, I pray for those that are worried about a friend or family member that might be sick. Would you bring healing to them right now? Would you strengthen them for the journey, Lord, whatever that might entail, Lord God? I pray for those who need to make decisions and they're hard and they're difficult. I pray that you give them the courage not to avoid things because of worry, but to step into that situation courageously because, Lord, you are the one that's going to help them know what to do because we remember that you are our Heavenly Father and that you will take care of our needs. We trust you, we rely on you, and we believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.